2: And this is Killers, Cults and Queens.
1: The podcast where we're going to learn all about the spookiest, scariest and damn right weirdest corners. Of the world.
2: In this episode, we're settling in for a good old fashioned ghost story or two and looking at one of the most infamous and haunted places in America, the Eastern State Penitentiary. One prisoner died from this form of torture. I'm not surprised!
1: Oh god. Oh literally not, not
0: Do not use the Lord's
1: name in vain. If I could choose one location to be a ghost, it would be Debenham. <laughs>
2: George, what are you doing here? Are you ready? Ooh, I'll grab the Ouija board. Welcome to Killers, Cults and Queens, the show where we take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the world. Today, we're looking at possibly the most haunted prison in the whole of the USA. It's been home to the likes of Al Scarface Capone and notorious bank robber Slick Willie Sutton. Four. It's the Eastern State Penitentiary. But firstly, how was your Halloween?
1: It was very oaky spooky. Do you know what? I'm just having a great time just living in the moment and just rolling with everything. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not a pumpkin carver. But I'll drink the carver.
2: <laughs> I think that's fair. You could carve a pumpkin, and then fill it with carver,
1: but it just all leak out.
2: Oh, I don't know. You can you can make like if if you put a one of those the, you know the the punch tap things,
1: the faucet.
2: Yeah, if you whacked one of that those in it, I reckon you could probably do a pretty good pumpkin flavored carver.
1: Now you you kids at home love a pumpkin spiced latte or a cult brew. I don't think I'm going to be having a pumpkin spiced. Carver. Carver.
2: <laughs> I think it sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take a rain check. How are you, Nikki?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Eating too much Halloween sweets and stuff, but other than that, um I'm okay. Feeling a bit icky in the tummy.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, I've got the emoji on standby just in case.
2: Excellent. I think we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just
1: I'm just happy to be back in the studio. Happy to be delving into another topic. I feel like we've covered a lot already. And it's making me, like, curious what road we're going to go down next.
2: Mm, Well, today we're doing something a little bit different from our usual gory stories. And we're delving into the history of America's original mega prison. One which just so happens to have held onto the souls of its damned residents long after they've died. But we've never actually had this conversation. How do you feel about ghosts?
1: I love ghosts ghosts there Yay. i said it i love it i have never had a true paranormal activity experience um i would love to oh can i tell you a story please do so i went to a toby Carvery a while back and i was having a fabulous time we had this gorgeous waitress she was the, the most typical Essex mum, so cab, bright blonde hair, blue eye shadow, gorgeous, so friendly, so kind. And then just as we're about to leave, she goes, do you like ghosts? Oh. I go, I "I mean, I loved Most Haunted. She goes, well, just to let you know, I've got my own side hustle (gasps) and I've got my own business. (gasps) And she does ghost hunting trips uh, in essex can we go please i am obsessed now i want to tell you the name of it but i also don't want to get her in trouble for <laughs> pitching her other job at her job
2: yeah well that's fair
1: but i'll tell you guys it was called ghouls allowed, oh, ghouls allowed. <laughs> and i just thought it was the most fitting thing like Right time, right place. Like, this diva knew who she was talking to. She didn't know who I was. I could just gauge that, like, the energy wasn't there. Like, she's not at home watching Drag Race on a Thursday evening. No, she's
2: out hunting ghouls. (laughs) But no,
1: she was like, I've got one coming up if you want to come on down. And unfortunately, I was busy, but I have to dig out. I I, I keep the card in my wallet just to keep constantly remind myself that I need to go on one of these trips. (sighs) But I love the ooky spooky ghosty googlies.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, this one today is going to be a fun one for you then, because I think you're going to be quite excited by this because there's quite a lot of ghosts in it. We'll get to the ghosts at the end. But first up, there's going to be quite a bit of history and learning about the, uh, the penitentiary itself. So I think you're going you're gonna to enjoy it. You're going to have a good time.
1: I loved history at school, so I think I'm going to love this now.
2: It's January the 8th, 1961, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Sitting high on a hill in the middle of the city, on a large stretch of land that used to be a sweet cherry orchard, is the Eastern State Penitentiary. It's a large, foreboding building with a complicated history, one that sparks fear in the hearts of those who observe it, and those who reside in it. Behind the walls, inmates are behaving themselves. Calm bathes the length of the vast halls, and the silence is only broken by the occasional muffled voice. But little did they know, the peace and quiet was about to be destroyed. One inmate was about to spark a riot that would end in immeasurable damage. Tricking a guard into opening the cell door of another inmate, prisoner John Klausenberg jumps the officer, stealing his keys. John goes on to release not just one or two of his fellow prisoners – But 800 men are freed from their cells, creating absolute pandemonium. Records are burned, phone lines are cut, guards are stabbed, and one prisoner has his last rights read. But how did we go from zero to 100 so fast? Let's go right back to the very beginning to find out.
1: Zero to hero? Well, not really a hero, I was trying to quote Hercules, but... Christ alive. Talk about carnage in 3.5 seconds. Yep.
2: (laughs) I couldn't even think
1: about opening 800 doors. I
2: know. Yeah. There must have been some kind of uh, master key, I assume.
1: A bit like in the movies where it's like, and then all the doors open. Yeah. Do you remember uh, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed?
2: I have not seen it.
1: Well, Good thing it's on uh, Netflix. Well, I need to do my research. You've got no choice but to watch. Anyway, there's a scene in the movie where Scooby and Shaggy accidentally put all the monsters' costumes that have been unleashed into this real-life generator and brings the costumes to life. Oh. And all of a sudden, pandemonium happens in Coolsville and all these monsters are real. Oh. And that's what I can imagine is happening in this prison.
2: Yeah. Wow. They might have just about got the idea for that from this prison. Oh, oh, I'm so excited! On October the 25th, 1829, Eastern State Penitentiary was opened as part of the Pennsylvania reformatory system. It was created with one goal in mind, to make inmates penitent hence the name penitentiary, huh. and to reform them into law-abiding citizens. Eastern State would do this by inflicting forced labour, complete solitude and harsh disciplinary action onto its inmates. It was designed by John Haviland, one of the most notable 19th century architects in Philadelphia, and had a really unique and innovative wagon wheel design. Wagon wheel with two C. Do you like a wagon wheel?
1: I mean... Who doesn't like a biscuit filled with marshmallow and jam?
2: I find they're a bit soggy. What? Yeah, the inside's not very. I don't know. It's a bit, ugh, a bit claggy.
1: This is the first time that I've felt Nikki Drews drift <laughs> further away from my heart.
2: <laughs> it's all right if you get the jam-filled ones. Do they still do those? Yes. Oh well, that's all right. I can cope. Actually, with
1: that. I don't quote me on that because I haven't bought a wagon wheel in a while. <laughs>
2: Who is eating wagon wheels? Who's keeping them in production?
1: <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs>
2: I <laughs> haven't seen Monsters
1: any- in your eyes. I
2: haven't seen anybody eat a wagon wheel for ages. <laughs> Not since like the nineteen nineties.
1: <laughs> hey, they still make derily lunch Bob.
2: True. Basically, if you were to look at it from a bird's eye view, it kind of looked like a star with six points, each connected to each other by a central corridor that ended in the middle in a big circular hall, meaning guards could keep watch over basically the whole of the prison from one vantage point. John based the penitentiary, which would be the largest prison in the world when it opened, on asylums in England and Ireland from the 1780s, and made it super-gothic in its design, with super-high ceilings, and making it almost church-like to subliminally encourage the inmates to reflect on religion during their time behind bars. It also served as an imposing vision atop the hill it sat upon to those on the outside, working to deter them from pursuing a life of crime lest they end up locked in the dark, scary labyrinth of the Eastern State Penitentiary.
1: Just wait for the Minotaur to jump out.
2: (laughs) But if the prison itself didn't deter hardened criminals, the punishments it served most definitely would. Eastern State's whole thing was inmates would serve their time completely in solitary confinement. And the building was designed with this in mind, creating maximum solitude for those inside. However... That being said, the prisoners were not set to be living in squalor. This new prison was revolutionary in caring for criminals and was a big change from the open plan institutions that had come before it. Each wing radiating out from the grandiose central hall was single storied with large single occupancy cells, which measured 8 by 12 feet and 10 feet high. Which is. Per- What's the size of this room? A square. <laughs> uh eight by eight by 12 feet and 10 feet high so this definitely isn't 10 feet high eight it's that feet, feet feet
1: feet okay if i'm five foot seven no i can't are we the mouse. same height
2: i think i'm we are. five seven i think we are Nikki? do you reckon we are yeah i reckon you're slightly taller than me
1: i, I blame the shoes. These. yeah
2: <laughs> quite possibly so your balencienses they're they're Stacked. Right, stop <laughs> dropping the brands,
1: Nikki. Stop dropping the brands. But yeah, that's that's an interesting sized room. 12 feet high.
2: 10 feet high. 10 feet
1: high. That's quite spacious. Yeah,
2: yeah, and 8 by 12 feet. So yeah, but it's probably bigger than my bedroom, I reckon. Uh, I could live in that room. Yeah, I reckon I could. Could you live in it constantly all the time, though?
1: I mean, sometimes I get told that I need to leave the bedroom. <laughs>
2: gotta get out now (laughs) the cells had central heating and hot water a tap a toilet that was flushed twice a week by prison guards and individual covered exercise yards the same width as the cell now the heating and plumbing here was a huge deal and way ahead of its time indoor toilets weren't commonplace at this point and even the president in the white house didn't have an indoor flushing loo The doors to the cells were designed in such a way that they were quite small. This meant that inmates couldn't jump prison officers immediately as they opened their doors, but also it forced them to bow as they entered their cell. Again, a religious act and demonstrating their penitence. There wasn't just one door into their cells. Oh no, to enforce maximum solitude, there were two doors. One, your basic sturdy iron cell door, And then a foot or so away from that, a super dense and thick sliding wooden door which would lock into place, acting as sound insulation so the inmates could never hear each other as they moved around the prison. So they're definitely creating this, you're not to hear anybody, you're going to be on your own.
1: It kind of reminds me of Mousetrap. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah it does seem a bit like that doesn't it
1: like you have gotta go through this bit and then through this bit and then up here yeah and then down here but shh
2: and not get caught by the the, the falling cage yeah <laughs> very that i haven't played a good old game of mousetrap for a long long time
1: see i really 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 want to see the architecture of this prison because i don't know if anybody knows i love the sims uh. And, like, I was never, like, a gamer kid. Like, you wouldn't pa- catch me playing Call of Duty. Like, absolutely not. Like, I wouldn't even know how to use the joystick. But I could do The Sims. And I loved building and architecture and, like, creating. So I kind of want to see what... Fa- I'm fascinated. Are you
2: going to sit there and make a little to make. I'm not going to make a prison <laughs> on The Sims you get people that that make lots of weird stuff like that though and like murder basements and things where they just lock people in and by other people i mean me
1: (laughs) you drown the sims in the pool
2: yeah take away the stairs
1: (laughs) but no this prison 1929 is this
2: uh so earlier than that 1839 oh my christ what they had plumbing in the 1800s 1829
1: christ alive Congratulations, everybody
2: so, keeping on the godly theme, the cells were lit by a single lighting source, the Eye of God.
1: Oh, God. I'll Literally. S- no, <laughs> not, do not use the Lord's name in vain.
2: It was a skylight sitting on the top of the single-storey cell, meaning that inmates would only get a little light during daylight hours. So that's what you were saying before with no light and being in solitary mm. confinement. In fact, before Eastern State was built, there was a sort of trial run walnut street jail which had held 16 penitent cells alongside its ones which were basically a free-for-all and they operated with the small skylight day and night theory putting prisoners in solitary confinement the solitary trial worked really well on inmates and calmed down the prison overall so this is what they went with on a much bigger scale with eastern pen once it was completed the mega prison could house 250 inmates and John was sure that his new building, unlike the chaos of old prisons, would give criminals time to reflect on their crimes and give them the best chance of redemption. Spoiler alert, John's dream didn't last that long.
1: Why am I not surprised.
2: <laughs> Now, at first, the Eastern State Penitentiary bumbled along just fine. Inmates came flowing in and the penitentiary did its thing, making them very isolated from everyone else, delivering a programme of slow reform. Inmate number one was a farmer called Charles Williams. Charles had been sentenced to two years in the penitentiary for theft, and his solitude started immediately. On October the 23rd, 1829, he was escorted back to his cell with a hood over his head, blocking out any chance of seeing his surroundings except his cell. Now, this actually did have a kind of nice idea behind it. The hood meant his anonymity would be preserved. And that meant when he had completed his time and was penitent enough to leave, no one would be able to identify him for his past crimes. But the hood served a dual purpose. It also meant that there would be no chance of escape, as Charles had no idea where he was or what the prison looked like.
1: Uh, Smart, but also scary.
2: Yeah. This tactic wasn't solely reserved for when people were first incarcerated. Any time an inmate had to leave his cell for exercise or an appointment, the guards would put a cloth bag over their head to make sure the inmate was not seen by any other prisoners and to make sure they didn't see any more of the prison than the inside of their own four walls. Communication with guards was limited to feeding times with meals delivered to them through tiny holes in the doors. They were fed three times a day and it was actually recorded that in the beginning they were fed pretty well eating a balanced diet of meat and vegetables to keep their minds strong for redemption.
1: Ah, oh, good. Reformed citizens, get your steak and broccoli.
2: Gotta have your protein. Hey. <laughs> and your vitamins in your broccoli. They were kept busy, given tasks like shoemaking and weaving, and of course thumbing through the only possession they were allowed, their Bible. Apart from the occasional mental breakdown from being on their own 23 hours a day, things were going as well as the prison reform system had planned. But things weren't all rosy. If you talked when you weren't supposed to, or had a minor infraction, things would start small, you'd get your outside time limited or confiscated, or you might have your food privileges revoked, getting one or two meals a day instead of three.
1: I don't like that.
2: No, I don't either. I'm not a breakfast person, though, so I'd be all right if they took away breakfast.
1: Well, I always make up my meals. So if I miss breakfast, it's like lunch is breakfast. Like 5 p.m. is like your lunch. Yeah. And then 9 p.m. is dinner time.
2: Nice. I like this idea.
1: So the day is still three meals. Nice. Because if you think I'm up till like two, three in the morning sometimes... I'm working on a different time schedule to everybody else.
2: Yeah, yeah. You've got to have all your all your decent nutrition throughout the day. I
1: mean, not that I'm eating nutrition.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you did something really bad, you'd be taken to wing four, where they kept the dark rooms.
1: <laughs> what kind of dark rooms? <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in some dark rooms, but not... <laughs>
2: Oh, is is this a thing that I don't know about? Am I not privy to... What? To, I don't know about this. You don't know about dark rooms? No. So basically,
1: in certain establishments... I'm leaning in a bit closer here. In certain establishments, <laughs> they have rooms that are literally like pitch black. Oh. And you go for in... For naughty fun times. Yeah. <gasps> and you go in and whatever happens, happens. Oh. And I think it just takes away the the judgment that some people base on appearance. Yeah. And it's just an intimate moment.
2: Between you and an absolute stranger?
1: Oh, several. <laughs> depends depends what's going down. <laughs> but I don't think it's that kind of dark room in this prison. No. Especially if they're all about the father's son and the house of Gucci. <laughs>
2: <laughs> These were cells with the walls painted black and the skylight covered, subjecting them to complete sensory deprivation, anywhere from a couple of weeks to a month. Oh,
1: No terrifying no that is that is torture
2: for the inmates their cells were their world they got one hour a day of outside time again totally alone and the other 23 were spent completely on their own in their cells they had no access to the outside world no letters no visitors no newspapers no clocks or watches just hours and hours with their own thoughts the prison was supposed to be for men only but just two years after it opened, it received its first female prisoners, inmates 73 and 74, Amy Rogers and Henrietta Johnson, both sentenced for manslaughter. They were the first of over 800 women who would come to call Eastern State home over the period of a few years. The men and women were housed in separate blocks and, understandably, never came into contact with each other. Now, the idea of a penitentiary was pretty new to America, and lots of people were interested. Delegates from around the world came to study the now famous Pennsylvania system, and its design was shared around the world, with hundreds of prisons throughout Europe, South America, Russia, China and Japan following the same concept and design. They had one British visitor, though, who I don't think anyone would have expected unless you know about the Victorian era, because this guy is everywhere in the Victorian era.
1: I was going to say Queen Victoria. No.
2: It's a guy. When was the Victorian era? (laughs) (laughs) So up till 1901 from 1850.
1: I'm going to take a rain check on this one and I'm going to leave it in the capable hands of you, Nikki Drews. Do tell.
2: Charles Dickens. What? Yeah. So he was everywhere in the Victorian era. If you go to any pub in London, Charles Dickens is drinking it. Even the ones that are made like two years ago. <laughs> There's always a plaque on the wall that says, Charles Dickens used to drink here. Oh, I bet he did.
1: <laughs> quite, quite the lush, famously. <laughs> Why would
2: he visit the Priz? Well, he used to do tours around America because he used to go and read his books to Americans because Americans loved him. So yeah, so he did quite a lot of tours around america so he was just there on a on a jolly
1: oh, okay yeah like like how tourists go up the empire state building in a yeah. new york city he went to the most infamous prison
2: yeah so old charlie boy visited the prison in 1842 on a tour of the united states and was excited to see if things were different in this revolutionary big house after all, he'd had personal experience with prisons, as his father was kept in a debtor's prison in London, and he used to visit him as a boy. So surely this had to be much better than that, right? You'd hope. Wrong. He was not impressed. Here's an excerpt from his travel log, "American Notes for General Circulation," which is very snappily titled.
1: <laughs> That's it's very to the point.
2: Yeah. Now, this is quite long, but I think it gives a really good idea of what it was like for the 250 men and women in solitary confinement, which I think possibly we're, we're, it might have been more than 250 by this point. as Yeah. Looking down these dreary passages, the dull repose and quiet that prevails is awful. Occasionally there is a drowsy sound from some lone weaver's shuttle or shoemaker's last, but it is stifled by the thick walls and heavy dungeon door, And only serves to make the general stillness more profound over the head and face of every prisoner who comes into this melancholy house a black hood is drawn and in this dark shroud an emblem of the curtain dropped between him and the living world he is led to the cell from which he never again comes forth until his whole term of imprisonment has expired he is a man buried alive to be dug out in the slow round of years And though he lives to be in the same cell ten weary years, he has no means of knowing, down to the very last hour, in what part of the building it is situated. What kind of men there are about him, whether in the long winter night there are only living people near, or he is in some lonely corner of the great jail, with walls and passages and iron doors between him and the nearest sharer in its solitary horrors. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body, and because its ghastly signs and tokens are not so palpable to the eye and sense of touch as scars upon the flesh, because its wounds are not upon the surface and it extorts few cries that human ears can hear, therefore the more I denounce it as a secret punishment which slumbering humanity is not roused up to stay."
1: That was deep.
2: Yeah, it is, isn't it?
1: Well, would you expect any less from Master Dickens?
2: No. Charles cast huge doubt over the system, saying that he didn't think the men who designed this newfangled realm of solitary penance knew what they were doing at all. But he wasn't alone. People visited the prison in their thousands as a tourist attraction. And with more people came more criticism for this new treatment of inmates. And things had to change. But despite that, things were about to get even worse for the inmates at Eastern State. As in 1866, solitary confinement started to be phased out, meaning the penitentiary received an influx of new inmates. Some cells were now holding two people instead of one, so the heads of the penitentiary ordered the inmates to make more cells. That's right, whole new wings were designed and built by the prisoners themselves.
1: Do not go in the West Wing! By 1877,
2: four new cell blocks had been added, built in the spaces between the existing cell blocks, meaning there was now no outside space. They kept designing and building, constructing cells on top of the single-storey blocks, completely covering those skylights. In 1911, cell block 12 was completed, completely different from its predecessors. It was three floors high with 40 cells, there were no arched high ceilings, no bricks, just acres and acres of concrete with tiny slit windows in the walls. How miserable.
1: I'm not gonna lie, this is this is what prisons I imagine are like today. Like you get a little shoebox, no no grandeur, it is just like torture. And people can argue, yes, it's what they deserve, it's what they're getting. But for a prison that was based on reforming and making people better citizens, to put them through this is sort of contradicting their... What's the word? What's the word? Ethos? Yes. Thank you. Ethos.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's terrifying to think that... They've gone they've escalated very quickly now from something which was actually quite a nice well, not nice, nice isn't the right word, but for its purpose, it was fit for purpose. So yeah. they had a decent sized room, um, even though they were on their own. Whereas now they're just starting to cram them in because it's there's too much crime going on and they need to get people inside whereas they could think more about sorting it out on the outside rather than putting people away.
1: (laughs) It's definitely not the concrete jungle where dreams are made
2: of. Um, And some people as well were put away in this prison for really minor crimes as well. So the the first prisoner that we spoke about, he was put away for just stealing a watch.
0: A lot can happen
1: in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
0: And that was it.
1: Christ alive. Of all the things, like, I get it. I couldn't do it. I know I've spoken about that. I couldn't steal a pick a mix suite. Yeah. Couldn't do it. <laughs> but, to to go to prison for stealing somebody's watch, I've had things nicked from me in my dressing rooms and I've gone, where's that? And people have gone, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I go, I know it's one of you, you thieving yeah. bastards. Yeah.
2: <laughs> in somebody's backpack somewhere. Imagine if I took
1: somebody to prison for stealing my can of got to be hairspray. (laughs) Like, come on.
2: Top tip though, you've got to use got to be.
1: (laughs) In the words of that song, got to be real, got to be real. By
2: 1913, the Pennsylvania system was ruled out completely and the initial design and ethos behind Eastern State Penitentiary was done away with. Remember we said that the prison was initially built to house 250 inmates? Well, by the 1920s, there were almost 2,000 of them.
1: Wow. Take an inch, they'll take a mile, whatever the saying is. Potato, potato. But yet, they've really taken the piss now. (laughs) They
2: really are taking the piss.
1: (laughs) Lock them up, throw away the key, stick them in the prison.
2: cram them all in together as well. And the whole thought behind it to begin with as well was that it was to make this prison was meant to be really good and it was meant to be so much better than what had been before and all it's doing is reverting back to how bad it was before that because everybody used to be chucked in together it didn't matter what gender you were at all men and women were all put in together and even children were chucked into prisons and it was just like big rooms chucking them all together and now they're just basically doing the same thing
1: oh no No, 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 I couldn't do it, and
2: I couldn't share a room. The cells, originally designed to house just one inmate at a time, were now host to at least two, if not three, other inmates, and were often so overcrowded that prisoners would be sent down to isolation to make room. Another cell block, cell block 14, starts construction in 1926, meaning that there is now no space between any of the blocks. It's just cell after cell after cell. It was the start of a new era for Eastern State, one that would slowly kill almost a thousand prisoners and spark gruesome tales that you won't be able to unhear.
1: I mean, I'm not surprised on killers, cults, and Queens.
2: It's true, it's what we specialise in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is our ethos.
2: So we've established that by the early 1900s, Eastern State Penitentiary was a pretty horrible place to be. It was overcrowded and loud, crime and violence were rife, and punishments were becoming more and more barbaric as guards tried to exert control over the inmates. And inside the dangerous walls, some infamous residents would also have to experience the rawness of the pen firsthand. Mm. Right, so let's have a look at some of the most famous prisoners to call Eastern State home, if only for a little while first up we have arguably the most famous criminal to grace the neo-gothic halls of the penitentiary alphonse scarface capone better known to you and i as al capone the infamous chicago mob boss spent eight months behind bars between 1929 and 1930 but unlike every other con he had a fairly unique experience even though the prison was facing huge overcrowding issues Owl, perhaps due to his fierce reputation and criminal insider knowledge, lived in relative luxury. His cell was in the Park Avenue block, the nickname for the nicest block, and featured fine furniture, including a proper bed and gleaming writing desk, oriental rugs and beautiful soft glowing lamps. And, unlike everyone else, he was allowed a cabinet radio. I'm not going to
1: lie. If I ever had to go to prison, I'm just going to say to them, I'm in the mob. And then they will squirm and then I'll get the luxury.
2: Yeah, that's basically what he did because he was so well known. that Everybody went, okay, we'll just be nice to Mr. Capone because none of us want to end up with horses' heads in our beds. Please, thank you. Oh, God. Not the godfather. It's Scarface, not not the godfather. Wait, is that? Yeah, he is Scarface. This is
1: Killers, Cults and Queens, the educational podcast
2: for Cheryl (laughs) Hall.
1: We really are educating today.
2: Frida Frost, who poisoned her husband, served twenty years at Eastern State before all women were moved to the Muncie Industrial Home for Women in 1923. Frida's transfer marked the end of an era. She was the last woman to ever serve time at the penitentiary. Bonus points: Can you remember who else served at Muncie from a previous episode? Ah, oh, is it the pizza bomber bitch? Yeah, Marge, old Marge, served at Muncie. Starved kind of at eyebrows. Muncie. <laughs> hey,
1: that is a callback. That was episode
2: one. Yeah. And now we're here at
1: ten. Yeah, there you go. Hey, congratulations, me. I finally won something.
2: Now, Frieda might have gotten out of Eastern State with relative ease, even if that meant she was going to be a workhorse at Muncie. But it wasn't that simple for a lot of inmates. Across Eastern State's history, approximately 100 inmates were registered as flight risks, actually trying to escape the prison. One of the most iconic escape attempts was by William Francis Slick Willie Sutton.
1: Sounds like a fabulous time.
2: It does, doesn't it? It also sounds like it could possibly be a drag name.
1: part of the stage, Slick (laughs) Willie.
2: Slick Willie was an infamous bank robber with over 50 robberies under his belt. He was serving 11 years behind bars, but wasn't planning on sticking around. He had experiences with getting out of jail, having escaped from prison three times over the course of his life.
1: What is with the American system? Every bloody case, somebody escapes.
2: I don't know how they do it. I really honestly don't.
1: Either the guards are shite or they're smart.
2: Or they've got people on the inside and they're bribing them. Hey. On April the 3rd, 1945, Slick Willie and 11 other inmates escaped from the prison in a hand-dug tunnel that went almost 100 feet underground. Over the course of a year, the inmates had used spoons and flattened cans to make a 31-inch hole in the wall of cell 68, and then managed to keep digging, creating a 30-metre-long tunnel all the way out to the other side of the fences.
1: That's incredible. I know,
2: it's mad, isn't it? To be able to dig that much with a spoon. Well... <laughs>
1: I'm quite a claustrophobic person and the the thought of having to get into a small space and dig a tunnel, obviously you'd do it if you want to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. But do you know what? I'd probably, I'm the kind of person that I'd sweet talk the guards and offer favours and...
2: It'd be the easiest thing to do, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah. Just get them on my side. mm I'm very good at winning people over. Very charming.
2: Yeah, I reckon you could escape prison within a day. <laughs> I reckon you'd be all right. I'd be like, guys, should we go for lunch? Like, <laughs> Pret
1: Pre- Pre- Pre has got the Christmas sandwich back. We oh, need to yeah, go. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely need to go.
1: Yeah, and they'd be like, oh, of course, Shezzy, let's go. <laughs> Off you'll skip out. <laughs> and, guys, I've just got to run to Boots. I've got to I'll get some I'll catch. I'll catch you back at the prison. I promise I'll be back. Never go back.
2: I've just sold something on eBay. I've got to go post it. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute.
1: Vinted, vinted. My vinted app's popping off.
2: Problem was, when they tried to escape, it was during the middle of the day. Oh dear. oh, dear. Silly sausages. The guards immediately saw them and Slick Willy was captured minutes after they left the tunnel. Oh, dear. And get this, during renovations, over 30 other inmate dug tunnels were discovered, completely abandoned. So people were doing it all over the place, just getting those spoons, trying to get out.
1: They weren't playing the spoons, they were digging with them.
2: See, this is the problem. If you've got things made of concrete, then I guess it's probably slightly easier to break away the concrete. Not that I've ever tried to escape a prison cell, but I reckon it's probably easier than getting through brick.
1: Mm, yeah, true. Also, you look at the Satisfaction music video, how easy those people do the diggers.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. I don't think they had those like handheld digger things, though. I no, like that man. we're both miming that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of all the attempts, there was one man who actually made it out. Ooh. In 1923, inmate Leo Callahan, sentenced for assault and battery with intent to kill, mm. scaled the east wall of the penitentiary using a makeshift wooden ladder that he had cobbled together with five other inmates. The five other men were eventually recaptured, but Leo is still at large today.
1: You were joking.
2: Although he would now be over 100 years old, so we can probably safely assume that he's not with us anymore. I don't understand
1: how people could honestly get out of prison. I'm still wrapping my head around it. Mm -hmm. Like, they handcrafted a ladder. Yeah. Hey, they paid attention attention in D2.
2: Well, I think this is the thing as well, because they're also, you know, allowing them to do... Little bits of woodworking and stuff by now. So they've got access to tools. So, you know, a couple of those, sneak them away. Nobody's going to notice. Start building your escape stuff.
1: Got to do what you got to do.
2: So what about the ones that tried to escape but didn't make it? Well, punishment was getting pretty severe at Eastern State by this time. And it wasn't just limited to people who were trying to escape. Any kind of infraction could lead to truly horrible torture. Oh no. One of the guards' favourite methods of punishment was to dunk inmates in a bath of water during the freezing cold winter and then hang them up by a rope whilst their naked bodies froze on the walls outside the prison with icicles forming on their skin. What monsters! It's horrible, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, at the end of the day, these are people that might have done really horrific things, but you then don't need to do horrific things to them.
1: What in the Game of Thrones is going on?
2: It does sound very Game of Thrones, doesn't yeah. it? They had the mad chair, a chair that bound the inmate so tightly for days on end that it cut off circulation to the extremities. Some prisoners were so badly injured by this torture that they had to have limbs amputated.
1: Right. These these guards are psychotic. It, it's got to the point where they're literally like playing, like, you know how children play with dolls?
2: Yeah. They're playing with the
1: humans.
2: Yeah, and I think also as well, with a lot of this stuff, it's like, you know, they, they were feared men. And so the guards then being able to take these guys down a peg or two by treating them to these tortures and things, I think they're getting a kick out of it as well. Because it's a power balance thing, yeah. isn't
1: it? and then the power balance turned into a power trip.
2: Yeah. If inmates got on the wrong side of a guard, they could be sent to the hole. Which isn't a shed in your garden.
1: <laughs> it, it's, it's not my new bar opening in Essex.
2: Everybody, welcome to the hole. <laughs>
1: Come on in. Under,
2: Under the <laughs> that's <Apologies>. staying in. <laughs> Under the newest building, cell block fourteen, there was a secret block of underground cells. Here, the cells were so small that inmates would not be able to stand up or stretch out in any position. They were dark and damp with no natural light and often the guards would crank up the heat down there so you'd have to sit there and sweat. Piss off a guard and you could be sent here for weeks with no light, no human contact, nowhere to go to the toilet and only the smallest amounts of bread and water to survive on.
1: So you'd have to shit in this little
2: box? Yep, and live with it. In heat? Yeah. I hope karma came back around for these guys. Do you want to know a fun fact about small little prison cells? Go for it. The Tower of London also has a cell like this um, and it was used to punish the worst traitors and it's called Little Ease. But that was banned in the 1600s from use um, because it was deemed too barbaric. Yeah. And now here we are.
1: In the 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> Look, history's always got a way of repeating itself. But this that that is inhumane.
2: Yeah, apparently with the, the worst tortures, um, back in the day were anything where your body was cramped. So they used to have um like a, a set of um Like a metal cage thing that they would put you in, and your knees would be up to your chest, and then you you'd be stuck inside that, so you couldn't actually move anywhere, and and you you could die from that because your body can't stretch out and you can't digest food. I'm feeling
1: panicky already. It's
2: horrible, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, not nice. Move it on, move it on. And things only get worse from here. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: You've traumatized me enough. Yeah, okay. Go on, rip off the
2: band aid. Uh, So brace yourself, this one's called the Iron Gag. Some prisoners were fitted with a device that was activated by the tying of the hands behind the back. An iron bar would be placed into the mouth, ripping into their tongue and mouth whenever they tried to speak or move their arms or hands. It was a brutal and horrific torture device, and one prisoner was actually listed as having died from this form of torture. I'm not surprised! Horrible, isn't it? Yeah, to think, ugh, duh, ugh, we're putting our arms behind our backs, by the way. Sometimes you have
1: to put yourself, y- your shoes in the feet. No, your feet, feet in the, the shoes. shoes. There we
2: go. And
1: uh, why am I getting everything mixed up today? Not <laughs> it's because you're tired.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, sometimes you've got to put yourselves in those situations to really, like, picture how horrible that would be. Mm. And I've just put my hands behind my back and gone, Like a metal bottle? No. No, 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 no,
2: no, no. Now, the inmates were tired of such horrific conditions and evil punishments, and the more violent the guards got, the more rebellious the inmates got. I'm not surprised. In 1933, the inmates revolted over insufficient recreational facilities, overcrowding, idleness, and their general maltreatment, setting fires in their cells and workshops. And this was just the start of the riots, A year later, in 1934, inmates rebelled against poor living conditions and low wages by short-circuiting electrical outlets, starting fires and trashing as many places as they could. This riot is absolutely huge and takes a long time to calm down, but the warden stamps it out with a reported strong show of force. It's unknown how many inmates were injured, tortured or killed as a result of these riots but we do know that many ghostly sightings revolve around the location of the riots. So let's get a little bit spooky, shall we?
1: I'm ready. I've got my bed sheet ready to go over my head.
2: Now, there are over a thousand entries in the prison's death ledger with the names of the inmates and the cause of death A large portion were due to contagious illnesses like influenza and tuberculosis. But also, as I'm sure you can imagine from a prison, there were a lot of suicides and murders. In cell 49 in cell block 8, Joseph Havel stabbed his cellmate George Cop to death with a pair of scissors. And now the cell is said to be haunted by the ghost of a disgruntled George. There have been many reports of shadowy figures darting across the walls in cell block 6 and visions of ghostly faces have appeared to many visitors in cell block 4.
1: I'd love to say that.
2: Oh, it'd just be terrifying, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but in the best possible way. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just yeah. a bit like,
2: ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? George, what are you doing here? So visitors have seen lots and lots of stuff. And one of those visitors was Gary Johnson, who was busy maintaining some of the old crumbling locks at the building. He says that in the early 1990s, he was opening an old lock in cell block four when a force gripped him so tightly that he couldn't physically move. He explained that a horrible, dark, negative energy exploded from the cell and tormented faces started appearing on the walls, with one in particular beckoning to him. <gasps> oh, this is getting,
1: I love this. I absolutely. I think I found my bread and butter. I love this. Oh, Gary, go on.
2: <laughs> cell Block Twelve is reportedly haunted by the fire of 1933, with reports of figures running across the landing in the cell, perhaps escaping the expanding inferno. And in Cell Block 15, tourists have complained of spooky whispering voices and seeing apparitions sprinting down the hallways which to to me ghosts should be moving slowly or wafting through things if I see a ghost sprinting that I might actually die (laughs) do
1: you know what I would love when when the day comes and hopefully I'm still around I would love to see uh, Usain Bolt's ghost running
2: just zooming along yeah there he goes (laughs)
1: I just think that would be such, such a... Why are you laughing at me? That would just be hilarious. Just zooming off. Yeah, just zoom, zoom, 100 metre sprint. Not that I wish... I do not wish anybody dead, but if I could could be a fly on the wall to see a ghost of anybody, it would be an Olympian running. I just think it'd be
2: so funny. (sighs) Now, cell block 15 was the final block to be built and was a high security building reserved for the worst criminals of the entire prison. And who knows what kind of monsters resided in those halls. And remember Al Capone? Well, he was the mob boss that was said to be responsible for the Valentine's Day massacre. The murder of seven Irish members and associates of Chicago's Northside gang that occurred on St. Valentine's Day 1929. Well, one of those men was Jimmy Clark, a friend of Al's that he'd double-crossed. Well, whilst Al was living it up in the Park Avenue block, his neighbours complained that he was getting a bit rowdy. They could hear him shouting, Jimmy, get out! Leave me alone! Could it be that he was haunted by Jimmy back in 1929? (gasps) Oh! Full circle moment. Or just PTSD. (laughs) That's the other option.
1: No, I'm going with the ghost. I'm going with the spooky scary skeleton.
2: We can hope that maybe they've patched things up on the other side now as Al is said to haunt his cell, especially now that it's been restored back to the condition it was in when he was living there, oriental rug and all. Wow. Would you go back to your prison cell if you were allowed out? Now we're in our little prison cell here (laughs) Mm, i wouldn't call this a prison
1: cell i call it luxury mama um what from the afterlife
2: yeah so if you were incarcerated for a while would if you were gonna then haunt something would you go back to prison it depends it depends if
1: people did me wrong in there Mm. i'd want to go cause some havoc because everybody's scared of ghosts it's true and they can't do anything to you
2: yeah it's true
1: so I would go back and be like, "Ha ha!" I don't know if I could choose one location to be a ghost. I think it would be Debenhams.
2: <laughs> Where would you be in Debenhams? Uh,
1: probably lurking around the makeup counters. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. When
1: somebody's trying to do like a little sample on their eyes, just I'd a little like,
2: oh! nudge of the elbow. <laughs> Imagine them trying to
1: wing liner. <laughs> <laughs> a boo. <laughs> go get that liner bitch
2: (laughs) that shade of purple doesn't suit you
1: (laughs) you need a lighter foundation bitch (laughs) but yes I'd be in Debs even though it's non-existent but the the ghost of Debenhams will always live in the buildings that once were
2: yeah I don't know where I would go to
1: I feel like a cemetery is too cliche
2: yeah it is yeah that would be far too obvious Maybe I should turn up in, like, the Sea Life Centre or something.
1: Oh, no. Don't torture the poor fishies.
2: No, I wouldn't torture the fishies. I'd wait until, like, a shark was swimming past and then be like, boo.
1: (laughs) Okay. Isn't the shark technically a fish?
2: Yeah. But that's
1: torturing the fishies.
2: No. No, I mean, like, the people watching the sharks.
1: Oh, I'm following. Yeah,
2: so I'd scare them whilst they were watching the the scary shark. Mm. Not that sharks are scary. Let's not stigmatise sharks because they're not scary. No, can can you all
1: message us and let us know where you would turn up if you were a ghost, please? Because I would love to know. Because if I'm turning up in Debenhams, I dread to think where other people are going to turn up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd be excited to know. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Do let us know because I love I love when we get interactive on the party.
2: The beginning of the end for the prison was 1945, when things were so bad at Eastern State that Pennsylvania recommended abandoning the building completely. The board at the penitentiary were keen to keep the prison running, after all, they had over 2,000 inmates to work for them. But in 1961, the prison suffered the biggest riot in its history. One day, an inmate called John Clausenberg tricked a guard into opening the cell of another inmate. With the cells open, they both overpower the guard and trigger the biggest riot the prison had ever seen. It lasted several hours and it took a large force of police, guards and state troopers to eventually reclaim the prison. The riot made headlines and fueled the discussion to close the prison for good. But in the meantime, due to its historic status, the building was given protection by the federal government and they declared the building a National Historic Landmark. And just nine years later, in 1970, Eastern State Penitentiary opened its cell doors for the last time, sending the last remaining inmates to the State Correctional Institution at Greaterford. So there the building stood, protected but completely abandoned. The Philadelphia Streets Department used some of the grounds for storage, but other than that, it was a free-for-all. Local kids used it as a hangout spot, smashing the windows and skylights, spraying graffiti over the walls and basically trashing the place. Oh no. Weirdly, as time passed, it became eerily pretty, with an urban forest growing throughout the halls and cells. Oh, I love that. How camp. But it looked really beautiful as well. Oh, majestic. Almost like nature taking back control, but juxtaposed with the brutalness of the bars and cells that once were. And this is super cute there was a large family of stray cats on the property. (laughs) They were looked after by the city caretaker, Dan McLeod. Today, it's a museum and tourist attraction where the stories of those that lived in the pen are told. But also, more widely, it's used to educate people on prison and to spark conversations about the role of incarceration in modern-day society. They also open it up as a Halloween scare attraction, which sounds like a lot of fun.
1: I know what we're doing next year.
2: We are off to the pen. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: could we could make a pit stop in Erie, yes, Pennsylvania, pick up a sausage and pepperoni pizza. Yes. And then we could go to the bank, then to the McDonald's. Yeah. And then we could take a road trip to the Priz.
2: Yeah. That sounds oh! like an
1: excellent idea. <laughs> Come on, Pennsylvania.
2: <laughs> over the 142 years Eastern State Penitentiary was in operation, over 70,000 people spent time inside its walls Some entered and never left, and Mm. those that did manage to get out were treated absolutely horrifically. For those that live in Philadelphia, the ever-present fortress looms on the hill, now silent apart from the occasional ghostly scream, (gasps) serving as a constant reminder to keep on the straight and narrow, or else you may just find yourself stuck in solitary, or worse, wandering the halls for all eternity. And that was the cautionary tale of the Eastern State penitentiary
1: i am obsessed
2: yeah you're gonna have to do lots and lots of uh, looking at our helpful resources at the the, the bottom of the page because there's lots and lots of extra information there
1: trust <laughs> a belief Madame madam truce i will be doing so <laughs> i am obsessed now i think i've just rekindled my love for ghosts and release.
2: Eastern State is probably the best place to start, I reckon, yeah. when it comes to ghost stories, because there's hundreds of them there, and we've only touched on just a few today. <laughs> so. I know.
1: Unless, unless everybody wants a loop-round episode where we cover more topics, which I'm sure we're up for. Yeah,
2: definitely more ghosts and ghouls.
1: Hey, hey, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed that one.
2: Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I thought you would. It wasn't wasn't as weirded out as
1: I thought I would be. No. I mean, the torture
2: yes very, not nice. very troublesome yes
1: but overall I yeah. really
2: I really enjoyed
1: that story
2: and I think it's quite fascinating that you know they were trying to change things in the Victorian times and then it just went to an absolute shit show
1: <laughs> I mean tell us oldest time
2: exactly So we just have to say the knowledge out there on this topic is vast and much more than we can fit in one episode. So please check our sources if you want to find out more.
1: Yes, and if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please have a look at the information in the description for lots of helpful resources.
2: Next time on Killers, Cults and Queens.
1: It's getting dark.
2: We're going back in time to visit the murder hotel of America's most prolific serial killer, H.H. Holmes. Holmes
1: sherlock then nope subscribe or follow to make sure that you never miss the next episode of killer cults of queens That if you have a case or a story that you'd like us to cover get in touch
2: see you next time and don't be a killer or join a cult just be a glorious queen like us goodbye